Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're going to talk about how long it should take for your corn and beans to emerge. So we'll look at how many GDUs are needed to get your plants out of the ground. In our spotlight, we're going to look at Corteva's recent announcement about some market changes for their seed line. In our Ag History Minute, we're going to talk about National Farmers Union. Cool beans, that's corny. We'll have some current events, and we'll wrap it up with some You Applied What. So with me today are Todd Schomburg. Hey, everybody. Max Garvey. What's up, everybody? And Bill Schomburg. Hey, guys. How's it going today? So today was like our second nice day in a row. What's 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 going on? Is the world ending? <laughs> Felt really <laughs> good. Sun is it was warm and it wasn't raining, so that's a good day. Beautiful, yeah, no, we get, just beautiful. We got more than enough rain uh, over the the weekend last weekend with our three to four to in some places seven inches. I had three point two five, and it and it came all on Sunday and Monday. I think Saturday wasn't too bad, but it seemed like I went to bed Saturday night and. Then it just kept coming. It was good that it was over a couple days at least. Not like last year where you get three inches in three hours. At least we got three inches in two days. So I'll take that. There was a portion there where it was like a power mist. It really wasn't raining. It was just kind (laughs) of misting really hard. So that was pretty cool. I like that. It reminds me of the forest gump rains, like rain sideways, rain, bottom rain. Do you know any of those, Matt? Any sideways or bottom rains? Yeah, the forest gump style rains. I'm familiar with sideways. I mean, with the wind we've been getting, it's a lot of things have been kind of sideways, but don't think I've ever had a bottom rain. Yeah, the bottom rain was when he was walking in that river or whatever, and it was splashing up from below him. So, uh, yeah. He had to hold his gun above his head, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Oh, so it was kind of like me walking a field on Monday with my trowel above my head. Got it. <laughs> yeah, no, Monday, Tuesday was pretty pretty sloppy. Yeah, it was when extra you- sloppy, yeah. <laughs> Just the way you like it. Extra sloppy for you. When you try to dig for seed and you dig it, dig a trench, you know, and then the water just gushes in. Just and like yep, and wash, the seed washes the seed. Yeah. Yep. I was, I was trying there. to ex- explain that to a grower. He asked, or, what are the conditions like out there? And I said, when I was digging for seed, I felt like I was digging to the bottom of a pot of chili. <laughs> it just like caved in and was just disgusting. Yeah, but the effort, Matt, Max, it was the effort that counts. Yeah, I did it. Had to stick to the high ground. That was that was the yeah. key. So, you guys got much left to plant. I'd say most of our most of mine are done, as far as you know, maybe here and there a little bit, but got a little bit left. But it was a it was a good week last week, well, last three weeks before all this. So, a lot done and. Yeah, what's left isn't is manageable, so that's good too. I think mine are just they got some manure out and they're waiting for that to dry and then it rained, so probably I, I just have a couple thousand. 
I just have corn uh, corn going in after first crop alfalfa. Otherwise, I'm done. So it's pretty good. It's a pretty big change from last year, huh? We're probably not even started last year at this time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was just thinking that, like, do a throwback Thursday. Oh, wait. Nothing is happening last last year. It was we lapped we lapped ourselves is what I keep calling it. Where you just it's pretty cool to to be done before you started. So that's good news. In cribbage that would be a skunk, wouldn't it? Yep, skunk ourselves. <laughs> we did it. Todd talking about would, that nest. Yeah, talking cribbage. Yeah, yeah. Our grandpa would be oh. proud with that reference. Yeah. So what were you saying, Todd? NASCAR back? No, yeah, NASCAR is back. So it's kind of neat that they raced with no fans and had to kind of distance each other and stuff. But it's good that something's back. Did Did you guys? Every, every race is won by at least six feet. <laughs> yeah. Did Did you guys see Denny Hamlin's face mask that he was wearing? That was epic. That was freaking awesome. That was great. That was great. Yeah, that was really good. That was funny. Did you see that, guys? It was like a himself. He made a face nice. mask of his face mask and himself. Like his mouth. His his five o'clock shadow blended perfectly. Like it was good. It was really good. Yeah, I just googled it. That's nice. So, wait till we get to the NFL season and they got to wear masks. What those characters are going to come up with? Uh, yeah, no, I, uh, I saw Rob- that. Roger will probably fine him for having custom masks. <laughs> Roger. They probably did, NASCAR probably didn't care that there was no fans. It's not like the drivers can hear him or anything anyway. So, right, they wouldn't notice the difference. <laughs> After he won, whoever won, I can't remember anymore. It was a little weird when they're interviewing him and he was like just talking to empty stands, but that was it. So, and the interviewer stayed like six feet away and six feet away and held a pole out with like a boom mic on it. So it was, yeah, it was a little weird, but they were spraying the champagne. They had to put it inside of like a super soaker to get them. (laughs) What's the race where they drink milk? Indy, right? Yeah. So no, I I didn't see him pound any drinks right after anything like that. So I saw, I saw a clip from a Canadian news station and they were using a hockey stick for their social distance microphone. They had a microphone taped the end of a hockey stick, and I was like, "Oh, that—that's it right there." <laughs> That'd be sweet. It's total Canada sh- right there. I know. I I feel like there's a chance it was fake, but I'm gonna choose to believe it. I think for the next NASCAR race, they should bring Will Ferrell and his Ricky Bobby. <laughs> shake and bake. Bake. <laughs> Get some shake and bake. All right, you guys ready to get into this? Let's do yeah, it. Let's do it. All right. So, how long should emergence take? Obviously, with the cooler weather, uh, last couple of days notwithstanding, we've we've seen it all all spring. Things are just a little bit slower. We're not getting anywhere. And and why is that? Well, things move slow when it's cold. So we need to get those growing degree units. I took a soil temperature. A lot of our corn started going in the ground about May 1st. I took a soil temperature, I think it was about May 5th, and we were like 
46 degrees. So I think we were above 50 when we started and then we had some cool weather and then it went down to 46. So, um, it didn't help. That didn't help nothing at all. No. And I, I was checking soil temps too, and it seemed like, you know, we'd hit, we'd get above 50 during a given day, but then at night it would get so cold that we'd, it's like starting over every day. It's like, it's like Bill Murray in Groundhog's Day. <laughs> Same place every day. It's corn emergency. Yeah, I agree with COVID. the with the fifty degrees too. It felt like we were just right on that fence of fifty, where it warm up just enough to get it to germinate, and then go back cooler, and we just sit there and yeah, just jump back and forth, back and forth over, you know, that fifty degree mark a bunch. So we had a weird year that way. So Bill, how many GDUs do we need to get that corn out of the ground? Yeah, so corn, from the time we plant to emergence, we need about 125 for corn and soybeans. I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit. Soybeans, about 155 to get 90% emergence. Okay. So, and did a little calculation, and right now we're in that mid-70s range for low to mid-70s range for GDUs since... May 1st. So that's about uh, 80-ish behind. Not okay. quite. Not quite. 40-ish yeah. behind. And that's up here. And I, I know I looked up southern Wisconsin. They seem to be at least above 100, but still not quite to that 125. So, you know, even as you head south where it, <clears throat> they've potentially had more heat, it still wasn't quite enough to get it out of the ground. Or at least not much of it. So should we be planting shallow to get it out of the ground? We talked about this last week. No, no. Pop quiz from last week. Don't do it. But Keep the it soil is warmer closer to the surface, Bill. Why wouldn't we do it? Because before our three inches of rain, we had zero moisture at one inch of soil depth, so... It was just sitting there at that point because there was no moisture to germinate it. Yeah, but now we got excess moisture. <laughs> so we had that, and we're finally getting some heat. But, you know, even even, even in a given day, you know, what are we seeing for GDUs? Like today it hit 70. That equates to... About 10 GDUs. About yesterday 10. we had 11. Yep, 11 GDUs yesterday, so... Yeah. Let me just, you know, going back to like Bill said, May 1st, um, looking at the GDUs, and this is an area where it got 70 by May 20th, but May 1st, we were, and I'll just go down each day, but just to show you how we were just stalled out for how many days, but it was two growing degree days. Then we went to 16, 25, 25, 25, 25, 25, 25. 25, 25, 25. So we stuck at that for basically eight days in a row of no growing degree days and nothing. 34 growing degree days, 46, 52, 54, 54, 59, 70. So, I mean, it just was, look at that whole, I mean, 10 days of just nothing where it just sits there and just was waiting to get some heat and do something. So we did have a jump, you know, a little bit the first two days of May, and then just nothing for that middle 
part of May till about the 15th. And then now we've kind of seen a little bit more heat since then. So hopefully we can keep with that trend. We get, you know, like Matt said, we're getting warmer days. So we get 10 a day now for the next couple couple days. We'll start to see that emerging better, which is good. Now, Bill, when you're talking about that 125 GDUs, is that universal no matter no-till, uh, conventional tillage, strip tillage, or are there other factors that we need to think about when we're looking at emergence? Yeah, I found a pretty cool chart um, UW put together, and it kind of says like management or environmental factors that could affect this. So if you have residue, um, you know, like percent of cover, so if you have a certain percent of residue cover over the row, you're going to, they kind of gave a range five to 50 GDUs. You got to add on, if you got fine texture soil, you got to add on 30 to 60 GDUs. If you got light soil, coarse texture, you got to subtract, um, planning date, you know, affects it before April, add 10 to 25 after May 15th, subtract um, 50 to 70. So there, there's a lots of different things that can affect that too. So, um, the 125 is kind of rule of thumb. And then you can go from there by adding and subtracting based on your soil type, what tillage you do, planning date. Um, obviously depth is going to change it. We talked about that last week, but we want to hold that depth to, for other reasons that we talked about last week. So, but, um, I do think, you know, the good news, what we had in our neighborhood was because it took so long to come up, it was good. We did have dry soil, um, a little bit of maybe would have been more nervous if we had wet soil for some rotting, but it's, you know, gotta be a lot of times a little warmer too for seed to rot, but at least, at least we were dry. Yeah, I think there were some, some little favors in, in that way of, not sitting in a cold, wet soil where, you know, a few, few guys that maybe did get some, something in early last year, it sat in that cold, wet for, you know, a month. Whereas this year, at least we had <clears throat> decent conditions to get across fields. And that's the reason why we have so much corn and, and soybeans in the ground now. So... That chart is pretty cool, Bill. Like... The after May 15th, subtract 50 to 70 GDUs. That's a lot to subtract, and that's when we're getting more heat, too. So that's interesting. And the other point I like to point out is, why do you guys think that starter fertilizer wouldn't be one of the things listed, you know, that maybe you'd actually get have to have less GDUs or something? I'm just surprised that one isn't on here, and maybe it just shows that that obviously doesn't affect, you know, how quick it pops up, but it seems to pop out quicker when you have starter so just wondering what your thoughts are on that. I wonder if like you get north of a certain area, like we get north of Oshkosh or something for us that that really magnifies it a little bit better versus you get southern Wisconsin or Illinois or Indiana where, you know, it is going to be warmer that maybe that that starter isn't as big of a uh, issue as maybe is what we have up here being that, you know, like we just talked about three, you know, a week straight of no movement in the growing degree days. The other part I would add on GDUs is it's tricky because the GDUs is based on air temp 
and that corn seed does not care what the air temp is when it's underground. So it's kind of a proxy to what the soil temp is. So that's one thing to think about too, is really, it really matters what the soil temperature really is. And um, like I said, obviously the higher the air temperature, the better the, the higher the soil temp, but we've had some colder days this spring with some pretty good intense sun that did seem to warm up the soil a little bit. Like we said, where it kind of jumped over that 50 degree mark and probably helped it grow just that little bit. So I got a feeling this year we're going to see it, you know, we'll be able to subtract some of those GDUs from that 125 because the soil, you know, because the soil temp, not necessarily because the air temp was a little bit different than what the soil temp was truly showing. Another cool part of this chart is if there's a severe drought or heat stress and it says corn will not germinate until it absorbs 30 or 30 to 35% of its weight in water. So that again goes back to what we talked about last week about planting into moisture and um, not planting it shallow where the soil is possibly going to be drier. So that I thought that was a pretty cool, pretty cool percentage there. Yeah, what I found interesting, too, on this chart was right below that talks about seed treatments and that it's not necessarily going to improve emergence, but it'll improve uniformity of emergence. So not only do you need all these other factors, but, you know, we think of seed treatments as ways to protect the seed while it's evening the playing field more than it is contributing to that plant coming out in a timely manner. So I thought that was interesting. How many conferences do we go to? And that's what they talk about, right? They hammer it in our, our heads, uniformity, uniformity. Those plants that come later, they don't produce an ear. They produce a smaller ear. So yeah, I could see where that's super important. Yeah. Yeah, Matt, and even next on the list is hybrid. And that's kind of interesting where it says, you know, hybrid with, better emergence scores may emerge faster. I think that's going to be extremely apparent this spring yep. of, yeah, I mean, how good emergence score and, you know, early season vigor you got. Some of those hybrids are really going to shine on how cold that soil is this spring. So one one thing as we move into this talk on emergence, so we had a lot of, a lot of water. Now we're getting the warm weather. Things are starting to dry out. Is crusting going to be an issue? And what do we do when that soil crusts over and starts to impede those beans or those corn plants from getting out of the ground? I think uh, I think the good part about all the rain we did have was that it came slow and we didn't pound. We didn't have those big downpours. And, um, you know, downpours where we maybe displaced more soil because of the heavy downpours and then maybe we had some collapsing of that soil structure that it came slow and we didn't have the gully washers. I think that's going to help us um, do that. Yeah. It seems with crusting, it generally comes from that pounding rain, just kind of leveling off that surface and making that, that crust when it dries. And I think too, the amount of moisture we had and the fact that we're initially, they were talking, you know, 80s for a couple days in a row and they kind of backed those temperatures off and we we saw it not be quite as warm. I think that helps some things too. Um, you know, having heat, but not I, I agree with you, man. Heat. 
I agree with you, Matt, is we've had more like 70s with pretty intense song, but I wouldn't call it that sort of baking, you know, where you're baking that clay pot kind of heat. So, um, yeah, it's not like it's mid-80s where it's just we had that, like Bill said, you didn't have the pounding rain or the baking hot heat. So hopefully, um, so far the soil I've been checking, you can still push through quite easily, actually. I mean, even where it's on the dry knolls. So, um, so far I don't see any, you know, setting up with a crust. And I would like to add with the crust, the more I see it too, is guys with better soil health, you know, even your no-till guys are just using more of that cover crop. It seems like that is helping that crusting a lot, um, that it, that it, we don't seem to crust on those soils just because they have better structure to them. So that might be something too to, to watch for is which soils do crust this year and, you know, yeah, the rotary hole will fix it for this year in a one-time fix, but you you know you better try a cover crop on that next year. Really look at what a, what other things you could do and changes to management you could do to kind of improve that soil structure. Yeah, I was in a no-till field yesterday, and you know, between having some of that residue, you know, we talked earlier that the residue may be a, a hindrance to warming up quite as quickly, but at the same time, it's it's holding that moisture and maybe keeping that that soil a little bit softer. And uh, yeah, things did not seem like they were getting into that crusting situation, which is good. Um, you know, especially, you know, we see issues with corn, but soybeans too, you know, unless you're, you're drilled beans or 30 intro beans, they can kind of emerge a little bit better. But, you know, sometimes those 30 inch, especially they help each other out. In those tough conditions and so far it looks like we're we don't have to worry about that quite yet so the other right. thing the other thing just quickly matt the other thing you can do to help with soybeans anyway is i'm sure you guys have all seen it uh, max you probably have too with soybeans you do it in 30 inch rows and all those little soybean plants can help each other kind of come through or if you got a drilled or or even 15s for that matter, where, you know, they're kind of on their own, whereas a 30-inch row is going to kind of help each other out and kind of move that soil on a plate and get through. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's a good point. So there you go. Don't worry about slow immersion too much because, well, it's been cold, and so things just aren't moving as fast as they should be, and conditions so far have, have been all right, so... Uh, you know, once we, through this weekend, we should hit hopefully a lot closer to that 125 to 155 GDUs to get those seeds out of the ground and be seeing those crops sooner rather than later. So now we'll move into our spotlight for today. So Corteva announced a uh, route to market change for next year, 2021. And that is the change of as part of the Corteva AgriScience multi-channel, multi-brand strategy for the U.S. And so they're introducing Bravant Seeds. I hopefully pronounced that correctly. Is that how we say it, Matt? Bravant? Bravant? Well, since I, Corteva was what, heart and something else, a mixture? Well, okay, yeah. Let, 
I, I, this was supposedly a combination of three mix of three words. So any guesses you guys of what three words they mixed, what kind of crazy, uh, brave is one of them. Maybe brave is one. You got it. Uh, okay. Any other ones? I was thinking brevity, like fast, like quick, but oh, the fast is one, which I don't know, but that makes more sense. I was like, where's fast in here? But you're right. Maybe the brevity, brevity. That's good. Resilient. Revenant. Max, you got Revenant. You got any? Revenant. Not resilient. No, no. Revenant. Like the movie Revenant. Revenant. You know, where the, bear? where the guy fights bear? the bear. Well, yep. That one. It's funny you say, cause I think they're getting rid of rev genetics oh. in this whole change too. So, um, I think that's one that's gone. Um, the last one was strong. So it was brave, strong, and fast. And I, I don't know where I, I see brave. I, your, your other one, Matt, to get fast makes sense, but I don't know where they get strong in there. So mm-hmm. kind of an interesting, like you said, where they're getting these names like Corteva and Bravant and how you say them and what they mean is, is interesting. So it's not Bravant? Bravant? It's, Bra- it, it's, it's Canadian. It was first introduced in Canada. So Matt, how do you think they would say it up there to the north? Uh, Bravante. <laughs> Bravante, yeah. <laughs> Ozer, you Ozer's got yeah. some hockey sticks. Yeah, was, we'll get out some. there and we'll talk seed and we're going to hit the puck around. We're just going to slap it around a little bit, huh? As long as the microphone's attached to the end, right? Right, <laughs> that's Max? Right. Ferda, yeah, that's for sure. That is for sure. So, I like, they said they'll carry canola. Like, it lists canola first, which that's interesting. Corn, soybeans, wheat, and sunflower. Well, as a Canadian base, I think Canada is like, a leading producer of canola. So, I mean, that makes sense. Right. <laughs> right. It's just interesting. So are so they going to, are they taking away some brand names then? Mycogen will be gone and Ooh. be replaced by this. Yeah. It says um, Terrell and mycogen seeds. Ouch. So for us, the mycogen, that's a huge change for, especially it even says with mycogen's focus on silage, um, and obviously our area grows a lot of corn silage and so that'll be a big change too for us that it'll, um, you know, hopefully it's just a different name on a seed bag and, you know, the, most of the varieties stay the same. That wouldn't be so bad. So, um, but they said too, that they would for now, um, Dairyland seed, there was three other local brands that would stay. It was, um, Dairyland, Hagemeyer, I'm going to say it wrong, New Tech and Seed Consultants will still remain. And then they will also keep a brand. I think it's pronounced Pioneer is going to be remaining. <laughs> Pioneer. I think is how they say that. Uh, that's more of a regional. No. P- Pioneer, <laughs> I think, is the. P- yeah, okay. Pione. 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 No. No, it says Pioneer will remain the company's flagship brand. So, no, that one obviously stays. So. Yeah, it's interesting. Like Dairyland stays, which is another one we use, you know, a lot of in our area. So they are keeping some of the regional ones yet. Um, so we'll see what what is to come and how that whole transition will keep taking place. All right, so there you go. Next year, look for Bravant or Bravant or however you pronounce it, seed as a <clears throat> replacement, and mycogen will fade into black. 
Yes. Next up, we've got our Egg History Minute. Gotta love the band. So today we're going to talk about the National Farmers Union. Uh, the NFU was founded by 10 family farmers in 1902 as the Farmers Educational Cooperative Union of America in Point, Texas. Organization advocated for increased cooperative rights, fair market access for farmers, direct election of senators, and voting rights for women. The National Farmers Union was the focus, <clears throat> or focus was profitability of the family farms and supported the development of cooperatives. Today, the vision of the NFU is a world in which farm families and their communities are respected, valued, and enjoy economic prosperity and social justice. The mission is to advocate for family farms, ranchers, fishers, and their communities through education, cooperation, and legislation. So there you have it, just another organization out there to, with the aim of helping farmers. It's really, really nice uh, that we rolled rolled last week and this week together. We had the, last week was about the riot, fighting for equal rights. This week we got the formation of a union. I mean... Whoever's planning these episodes always really got it together. <laughs> All right. So, Todd. Well, good. If you guys, yeah, thanks, everybody. We just hit a lot of downloads last week, so we appreciated that. And if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to our podcast. Subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe. Right, Max? Bam, you got it. And uh, please visit naicc.org. Uh, to find an independent crop consultant in your area. All right. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter uh, at Tilth Talk Radio on both platforms for more news and uh, to know when we release episodes. So now let's move into our cool beans. That's corny. Cool beans. Cool, cool beans. beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. All right. Cool beans for today is more U.S. ag products eligible for export to China. So I think we've been talking about that a lot this year, um, both before and after COVID. We've had, you know, look at the trade deals and everything else going on with China. Um, that phase one deal where the expected purchases were down a little bit due to the pandemic. But now uh, in China's list includes 499 beef 457 pork, 470 poultry, 397 seafood, 253 dairy, and nine infant formula facilities. So just more products available to help them meet those goals. I like the infant formula. Send them some of that. <laughs> Any port in a storm. Interesting. Yeah. So... On May 15th, China published a new standard for dairy permeate power for human consumption that will allow more imports from the U.S. in the future. So more movement on dairy is always a good thing, especially as we've talked about, you know, the whole dumping milk thing. It's at least a positive development to have more opportunities for export. So It is interesting. I didn't know these two things could not be exported, but... U.S. blueberries and California Haas avocados can now be exported to China as well. So that's that's interesting of the stuff they wouldn't take, and now they will. So you're saying China doesn't 
make a lot of guac, huh? They, I don't know. They need to make more guac with those Hask avocados. <laughs> are, are they going to have like avocados from California <laughs> commercials like we have the avocados from Mexico? Yeah. Maybe that'll be the next Super Bowl commercial <laughs> if we have a Super Bowl. All right. And as always, we have to follow up our cool beans with That's Corny. And today's That's Corny, Iowa Select Farms Forced to Euthanize Some of the Swine Herd. So with production capability, pro- or processing capability, I should say, productions, <laughs> we've got lots of, a lot of these things, but uh, processing capabilities shutting down or reducing capacity, then we're getting backlogs of lots of things, whether it's chickens and they're in this case pigs. So they're forced to euthanize large amounts, which is, is sad. Yeah. That's corny. Yeah. Well, hopefully as time goes on, these these uh, packing plants will get back online. I'm just worried that some of the workers aren't going to want to go back to work. I hear like, you know, Wisconsin's kind of opening up a little bit and some of these um, restaurants are opening up, but they're not getting people wanting to work. So hopefully that'll change a little bit and and they'll get people will get back to work and we'll somewhat get back to normal here soon. I, I did see uh, that uh, some of the harvest numbers from packing plants are starting to stabilize. So they're taking in more animals again, which is good. They just can't get them moved through the plant plant fast enough. So hopefully that's, you know, you can see the horizon now. So yeah, hopefully we're moving in the right direction and things will start to pick up. So it does say the good about this is the harvest levels at packing plants are normalizing. So that is good news that if they can keep that, you know, keep, yeah, we had a bad last couple months, but hopefully going forward now, if stuff's normalizing, that'll help a lot. All right. So now let's wrap it up with some, you applied. What, what did you do? All right, so Maxwell, is it you that set this up for us? I did, I did. I set this up. You guys, you guys let me do this a lot, and it makes me happy. <laughs> so, Looks like we have right. an interesting grouping here today. It yeah. is a very interesting group. Uh-huh, you like that? You like that? I like when I see products that I've not heard of, because I know I'm like, if I haven't heard of it, there's a decent chance that you guys haven't either, so I like that. That's a good, That that helps, so... All right, we will we will start with uh, we'll, we'll give you, I'll give you these names here. Uh, first, we're gonna have Ronit, which is R O hyphen N E E T. Then we have Fargo, which is F A R hyphen G O. Bolero, which is B O L E R O, no hyphen, and then Growstop, which is G R O hyphen S T O P. So. Whatever you, whatever, whichever one of you guys wants to start today, I can't wait to hear your guess. I, I totally think you're just spitballing here, Max, and just making stuff up. Just add a hyphen and everything, and then it, it's got to be a herbicide or a something. That's what three I. Three of these, three of these are for sure real herbicides. I'll tell you. I feel that. like Fargo is in North Dakota. <laughs> it sounds more like the city than it does anything else. Bolero, I feel like I've heard of. 
I feel like I have to like for like cotton bowls. Yeah, but I don't know why that would be anything for that. Row Ro- Ro- stop is no, no. You're, interesting you're thinking of the Valero cot, like the bowl, like the yeah. that they play football in. <laughs> the Valero bowl. <laughs> Valero Isn't that bowl. a hotel. Yeah, Ro- Ro- sure. need and Ronit. Need- that's legit. Ronit is why is there two e's in it? That's weird. Why is it n e a t? Why is it m e e? Because T-A-T. it's whimsical and enjoyable. <laughs> and grow stop <laughs> seems kind of on the nose. Like stop growing. Yeah, grow stop. Yeah, <laughs> I think you got us here, Max. All right, come on, let's hear some guesses, boys. I'm gonna say Fargo. I'm gonna Enough go tip with Fargo. This Fargo. Okay, Todd. I'm gonna go with Grow Stop. Doesn't oh, fit. All right. That's what I'm going. All right. So Todd, you are correct. Grow Stop was. Yes. I just threw. The, I mean, I guess <laughs> it's possible it does exist, but that is just a name that I made up. Um, Roni, Fargo, Todd. and Bolero all do exist. Did it? Yeah. <laughs> and they are. Group eight lipid synthesis inhibitors. All right. So, what is Ronit for? Um, that's a good question. It's a cyclate. Cycloate is the active ingredient. Uh, Oh, it's sugar beet. It's for sugar beets. That's why it's ee. Yep, that's the the neat. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Clever Google machine. All right, well, that'll do it for today. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks Thanks for having having us, Matt. Yeah, thanks, all listeners. And so today we talked about plant immersions for corn and beans and. Be patient. We just need more heat. I feel like we've been saying this a lot all all this year and a good chunk of last year, but um, you just need a little more heat to get things moving. In our spotlight, we talked about Bravant being introduced by Corteva, and they'll be kind of moving out away from Mycogen brand. So just some brand changes there. National Farmers Union, founded in 1902. Cool Beans was more products available for export to China. That's corny was euthanization of swine herd. And in our You Applied What, we talked about some group eights and learned that Grow Stop was really just too on the nose. So thanks for listening. And as always, happy farming.